Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, this is Daniel Markin with In Doubt, and today I'm talking with Bonnie Pugh. Her and her husband run the union movement, and basically what they're doing is they're bringing a gospel-centered, holistic approach to the topics of sexuality, identity, and relationships. And so what we're talking about today is parenting and looking at, you know, okay, as young adults, we're looking forward to, you know, many of us are looking ahead to being parents, but we feel so woefully ill-equipped to do this. Like, we don't have the skills, we don't know what to do, should we do this? And so Bonnie and I actually talk through this, and she kind of shares, hey, here's the biblical vision uh, for children and how we can actually all go about doing this. So if you, you know, you're looking to get married and you're thinking about having kids one day, we hope that this episode will be helpful. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This is Daniel Markin, and today I'm joined by Bonnie Pugh. Her and her husband run the union movement. And so rather than me explaining this, Bonnie, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, say hello to our audience, but then also, you know, tell us a little bit about what the union movement is and uh, how you maybe got into that in the first place. Yeah, you bet. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's a privilege to be here and to chat with you about all these things. Yeah, my name is Bonnie, and I live in Western Canada, uh, in the Fraser Valley area with my husband, and we've almost been married 15 years, and we have six sons that range from almost 14 to almost two years old. So it's a busy, busy life that we lead, but we are loving it, and we love them. And uh, I just can't imagine, sorry, I can't imagine the grocery bill that that's going to be in a in a few years here. Oh, <laughs> or even now. Legit. I am like, okay, there's a thing called Meatless Monday, right? And... <laughs> Just trying to find ways to be a creative cook. So, wow, yeah, yeah, it's legit. They're they're keeping up with some of the older ones are keeping up with their dad now. Wow, you know, taco salad night is it's a sight to behold. <laughs> it's the whole cow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, legit. Yeah, so yeah, so that's a large part of our life. Um, but another thing that we have started is this ministry called the Union Movement really to help people find wholeness in the areas of sexuality and identity and relationships, uh, and also to be a resource and an encouragement for the local church, local church leaders who are also wanting to do that for their congregations, but might feel under-equipped or um, not sure how to talk about things in a biblical, compassionate tone. So uh, we create resources and do events and are just wanting to multiply voices who are willing to share their own testimony of how God has restored, maybe, you know, in areas of sexuality, be willing to just start talking about it because there really is a generation who is desperate to hear the truth. Uh, and it's an intimidating topic to go near, but we just believe that the church is supposed to be the safest place for these conversations. Yeah. So, you know, where we're going to head today in this is we're going to be talking a little bit about family and talking about young adults and looking forward to families. Because I know a lot of young adults, a lot of people my age, uh, that's a desire. And many are, you know, they want to be married. And then the next step in that is, hey, I want to have a family. Hey, I want to, you know, know what that looks like. But then there's like so many other questions in a sense of I have no idea what to do. And maybe even questions of like, should I do this? Am I equipped to do this? Like, am I the right type of person for this? 
like, would it be better for me to just not do that and let other people be parents? And so maybe as we like kind of begin to jump into this, you know, what are some of the cultural philosophies right now in Canada that are either persuading or dissuading young adults to have kids? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I mean, one thing that I think in Canada particularly is going to be dissuading a lot of people is just going to be the sense of the cost of children, the sense of could I be rich enough to raise children? And there's, I know there's even like, you know, numbers of like, you know, so-and-so says it's going to take this many thousands of dollars to raise a child to adulthood. And uh, sometimes I wonder if those people are estimating, you know, that knowing that you're allowed to like shop at thrift stores, you're allowed to use coupons for grocery bills, you know. Uh, But I also wonder, they might not know how many um, tubes of toothpaste get squeezed into the sink and how many bottles of shampoo are like used as bubble baths. That's been a reality in our life. Anyway, so I would say cost is probably a big question. And I would even say fear in people's mind of like, what if we don't have enough? I think also culturally, there's been a big shift where once children were seen as like an incredible gift, I think that a lot of people see them as a liability. And I don't know if that's been the case for you. I know you have children as well, but sometimes it feels like I have to defend my kids from this, like, I don't know, like a a cultural atmosphere that's just kind of like, you're a burden like little child, like you're messy and you're loud and you're invasive. I don't know. And so there's, I think that kind of philosophy comes in. I've definitely had conversations with people. I think especially because we have a large family, then maybe it becomes like people want to talk to me about it or we become a target for some of that negativity towards children. Whereas scripture, God is very clear. Children are a blessing. Children, it says in Psalms 127, you know, children are a reward. They are an inheritance. They are, they are a blessing. And so when we start to think of children the way God does, I think that shapes whether we're going to be willing to include them in our lifestyle or our plan for the future. Yeah. One thing I sense uh, as a guy, and one of the things I was worried about is like, can I actually provide for a little family? Right now, my, my twin girls are like six months old. And they don't cost us a whole lot. Uh, the food bill is pretty low, but I know it's going to get more expensive. And so that's definitely like something. But we also are in a time, and I think you were getting to that, about there's like a real stronghold over Canada and the Western world, the children being a burden. But I think that stems away from like a culture of death. And like we, rather than, you know, bring on this beautiful family and experience life with them, So often it's the case of like, no, it's going to interfere with your life. Put that life to death, Mm -hmm. right? And and so that your life isn't affected. And so at the heart of it, maybe it's like a selfishness and being a parent, but even being in a relationship, being married, that's selfless. Like you, that, and you know, the more selfless you are, uh, I think the easier it gets. Uh, What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. If I can say something quickly about the provision thing, I know this is like, and then we'll come back to this thing of selflessness in our life. I have been, I mean, we have definitely had the months where it's like, is there going to be money? God, you know, the ups and downs there, you see inflation or, you know, there was um, economic downturns. My husband got laid off when we were first, you know, first married, first had twins, you know, it was chaotic. And the amount of fear that we faced, um, you had to face it. Like you couldn't just let it wash over you. 
And we just started saying like, good thing, the gas company or the gas station isn't my provider, (laughs) you know, good thing. This employer isn't my provider, but God is my provider. And time and time again, there has been just like miraculous provision where at the, even at the last minute where it's like, where was that? There's no way we could have manufactured that. Thank you, God. And it actually is as even as our children are dependent on us for provision, it's almost like they are a blessing because they force us to be dependent on our heavenly father in a new way where it's like, we can kind of manage our life. Like, Oh, I'm just single or just me. And, you know, just a few of us, like, you know, me and my spouse and one or two kids, like, okay, we can, we can do this on our own, but there is a blessing in children that it actually pushes us to dependence on our heavenly father. And it reminds us of our frailty as humans. And so just for those who are listening, who are like, I'm scared about money, just like lean into that. God, are you actually a provider? Can you miraculously do things for me? And I, from 15 years of experience would say, absolutely he can. So it's a beautiful thing, but it does. I mean, this, it links into this selflessness to the death to yourself, to the, um, when you try to hold on to your life, you lose it. But when you are willing to lay it down, suddenly you find it in a different way, the words of Jesus. And, um, yeah, I, you know what, there's a story that I read, um, in a book about, uh, the missionary Amy Carmichael. Are you familiar with her? She did some work. In, I'm not. She did some work in India. I wish, I mean, I could, I'm not really good with all the details of life. I kind of get like the bigger themes, but this one part of her story, she was a single woman felt just like this, a grip gripped her heart was the story of all the orphans in India. Some who were being used as like temple slaves And she was like, I want to go to India and I want to make a difference there. So she goes there and she would go and rescue orphans and then bring them to like, she created an orphanage and set up education for them and liberating girls and all this kind of stuff. Uh, But what she started to realize was that these children, so she kept going out, like she would come back to the orphanage and like kind of be with the kids. And then she'd go out and rescue some more and then come back and come and go be a speaker and be all these things. But she started to realize that those children needed the permanence of her like maternal figure there with them. And so she kind of gave up the more like, I don't know, the more like, I don't want to say flashy, but just like the work of like, I'm going out there and I'm doing something in the public eye. And she just was like, I'm just going to stay here with the kids. And in a bit of a secret place, I'm going to minister to them. And she says this line, she says, May my feet be bound for the sake of him whose feet were pierced. And when I read that, like as a mom who, I mean, by having lots of children and deciding to even be a stay-at-home mom, um, and now we're deciding to homeschool, there are times where I go, I am giving up of my, like some of my dreams still haven't come true. Here I am, I'm 37 years old. I still haven't done all the things that I dreamed I would do when I was 16, 17, 18. But I think of her and I go, may my feet be bound for the sake of him whose feet were pierced, that I would be devoted to this little group right here, raising up disciples, trying to show them that they're valuable to me. And I just think that there is, I don't know, there's a beauty in the quiet, hidden sacrifice for our children. Totally. Um, Let me ask you this, like how... 
so imagine a young new married couple. How do they know what it takes to be a parent? Or can you know? I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like there's a sense of it's like you can read all the books you want, but it, like it doesn't matter. But how do you, how would you counsel someone who's like, we don't know if we have what it takes and we think maybe we're not the right people to be parents. What would you say to them? Yeah, that is a really good question. I would say that I would probably, um, you know, if I was having a one-on-one conversation with someone who was saying, I don't know that I have what it takes, or I don't think I could do it. I would probably ask them maybe about their own story, because a lot of times there is some pretty deep wounding that comes from your family of origin that can make you just right away say like, I never, first of all, like what I went through, I never want anyone else to have to go through. And I bet like, I've never seen a good mother or a good father in action. And I don't want to mess it up. Right. Which is like, I get, I get that. That makes a lot of sense. And so um, for me, yeah, my husband and I got married at 22 and uh, three months after we got married, then we found out we were pregnant and then we found out it was twins. So we have two babies by our first anniversary and it was real. I wanted children. My family of origin wasn't perfect by any means, but definitely was a place of like good values were passed to me. And I knew that we were important to my parents. So um, I wanted children and was kind of leaning into that. And yet when you are in the middle of it, it is exhausting. And you're like, what? You're just sending these babies home with me. Like, and now I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. And yeah, you have Google and you have these books and you hopefully have a community around you, but you're still like, you're the one who has to get up in the night and you're the one who has to change that diaper again and figure out how to do solids. And anyways, so I remember feeling very overwhelmed. Um, I remember this one. So we have, like I said, all sons, so twins are Samuel and Micah. They were probably like six or seven months at the time. And I remember one day just being particularly exhausted. And uh, my son Samuel had woken up early from a nap and I was giving him a bottle and I had laid him on the couch and I was just kneeling in front of him, just so tired, but kind of like praying slash crying slash like exhausted. And I just remember saying like, God, I can't do this. Well, first I said, God, I didn't, I didn't ask for twins. Like, I didn't know that that's what I was signing up for. And then the wisdom of God, he just gently was like, which one would you not like? And I was like, never mind, never mind. Wrong question. Okay, never mind. <laughs> but still in exhaustion, God, I just, I don't think I can do this, you know? And uh, probably hormones included in the mix of it all. That's real. That's really real for any young mom listening. And, and so then I felt the Holy Spirit say another thing to me. He said, I never told you thou shalt have a clean kitchen. <laughs> so it's just like, he's trying to just take these layers off me. No, no, no. Like some of that pressure, I can't do it all. I can't keep up. Okay. That's like one more thing, but still just my heart, God help me. Like, I, I don't know how to do this. And I'll never forget what I heard him whisper to me as he said, can you look your son in the face and tell him that he's valuable? And I was like, yeah, I can do that. So then it was almost like this bar set for me when I felt overwhelmed, when I was like, I can't do this. This is too hard. Then I would, you know, at that age, when they were three-year-olds, when they were six-year-olds with temper tantrums or, you know, learning things that I'm overwhelmed, I would just be like, boys, look at me. Like You are important to me. I'm so glad you're in my life. Right. And I just would kind of just defy, 
I guess it was like, I would defy my inadequacies with just, I'm just going to try to love you. I'm just going to try. So that's like a base, a base level. But then another thing that, you know, for those who never had an example of a parent and don't know how, didn't have it modeled, then I just say like, spend time looking to the heavenly father and ask him to reveal himself point and then point to the heavenly father all the time, you know, look to him and, and see how he is and that be your model. Cause even the best parents are still flawed and we're still going to hurt our children and we're still going to, ah, man, we're just, we are just imperfect. But if we just keep pointing towards the father and looking towards him, I, like it says that as we behold him, we can, we will become more like him. And then I would say also, you know, just look for moms and dads who look like they're enjoying it and not again, not perfect, but ones who um, look like they're enjoying their children or their grandchildren and who haven't like, who are enjoying them without idolizing them or smothering them or spoiling them and ask them real questions. And I think that that's one of the beautiful pieces of the, like the local church, the body of Christ is that for those who maybe have felt orphaned, whether literally or just metaphorically where they feel alone, it's like God always intended that there be a backup family. Like here's a family that you can be around and you can glean from. I think it's an underrated piece of the local church, the the value of being a part of a community. Absolutely. I would also say too, for those maybe listening who are like, I didn't have that. I actually had no dad. I had no mom. You know, as a new young couple, as a young married expecting couple, you can change that narrative. Like you can, that family history isn't, isn't controlling you. Like in the same way that we were slaves to sin and now we're slaves to Christ. We can actually like be, be not slaves to our past, but walk in a new way and, and, and show these children like, Hey, like we're going to do our best to, to, not do what our parents did or what they didn't do because they weren't there, right? So there's actually like an opportunity to to have that narrative going forward and, and to build that, which I think is is really, really, really important, really cool. I am with you. I just really, I think that's really important. I think so many times we feel that the past has to dictate our future and it's simply not true. And even some, I think, I, I mean, I'm thinking of somebody I know where I, I know that this person believes that because of the choices they made in the past, even around the area of abortion, they feel like there's no way they're worthy to be a parent now, even though their life has been transformed, but that's still just something in their mind. They're like, I can't, I can't be a parent. Like I'm not good enough. I have like in these really painful places I have failed or I've, I've sinned. And I, I hate that about my past, you know, and I've, that's even, you know, the, the message we always want to bring is just like, God actually has the ability to make you a new creation. So I love what you were saying there, like a new narrative, like a new creation where it's not just like you're a new and improved version of yourself, but you are brand new, fresh start. And God starts to heal those painful, shameful places of your life. And you end up living a life you never dreamed possible. And that's my, you know, I was a church kid. My husband was not. And his, you know, his teen years, he would say like, I don't deserve the life I'm living right now. 
I mean, neither do I, but he is all the more aware of it because of the darkness that he walked in for so long. And so even in that, like being a parent has actually brought healing to him because he realizes the grace of God and the kindness of God giving him a life he didn't deserve. So, yeah. So good. Um, you know, we're coming to a little bit towards the end of the time we have here, but one common thing I always hear is people saying, how can I bring a child into this broken world? Yeah. Right? It's always like, you know, this world's so messed up. I don't want to bring children into it. Uh, Lisa and I definitely thought about that. And we're like, you know, our world's so crazy right now, uh, especially because we got pregnant during the whole COVID, like in the middle of that. It's like, oh, wow, like this is going to be wild. And yet, one of the things I've learned is it's a, and, and while not everyone can have kids, it is the mandate of God to be fruitful and to multiply. And as believers, it's not actually a, um, like a choice, like, oh, maybe we'll be fruitful and maybe we'll multiply. It's actually like God's design is that you're married and that you multiply. That doesn't mean that it's going to be a guarantee. For example, um, parents who struggle with infertility, you might not be able to multiply in that specific way, but you can multiply in other ways and you can be fruitful in other ways. And so, you know, that to me, I was just thinking about, oh, it's such a broken world. Actually, we are commanded to do this. Yeah. You know, I just recently read that the majority of, I think it was a a statistic from the States, but I can imagine Canadians might (laughs) agree, but a large percentage of the population was in agreement that they believed that fatherlessness was one of the greatest travesties of this generation, that they were seeing that so many other social issues were stemming from fatherlessness. And this is a a Canadian stat is that lone parent families have actually increased by 145% since the 1970s. And so, so we think, okay, so if fatherlessness, and we'll even say motherlessness, because I believe that that is a, an epidemic that is growing, that doesn't get talked about a lot is the pain that can come from not having a present nurturing mother in, in your world. If those are the things that are breaking our nation, then would it not be true that the heart of a mother and a father could also heal the nations? So, and I love that what you're saying there, it's not about how many kids you have. It's about what you do with the kids you do have and the children around you. And that's where I, I again, don't know that the church talks enough about the way Jesus embraced children and he wasn't too busy for them. You know, there's that story of where the disciples were like, no, no, no. Hey, Jesus is just like in the middle of some stuff right now. And Jesus said like, don't stop the children from coming to me. Right. Like they, like the kingdom. And he would say like the kingdom belongs to people like them. And so he was so honoring to children. And I think that men and women, if you are, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you are able to have children biologically or not, what do you do with the children around you? How do you treat them? And this, I mean, every time I talk about this kind of stuff, I'm like, I'm convicted, right? Like this isn't like I'm nailing this every day, but oh Lord, let us get closer to what you're like. And um, so I think that even just our posture, will we mother and father those around us? And then also, you know, this, how can I bring a child into this broken world? And I think of the story in Exodus of Jochebed and how at a time when the Israelites were enslaved to the Egyptians, and there's this mandate that goes out from Pharaoh 
saying like all little boys two and under are going to be massacred. And yet Jochebed and her husband have a, have another son and his name is Moses, you know? And so I just go, if they had a re I mean, I know birth control is not the thing, you know, it wasn't as much, it wasn't an option. Um, but I just go, what if they didn't have a child? Then I'm sure the Lord could have raised up another deliverer, but we don't know who our children will become. And I think that's where the hope of destiny, you know, which I think is, is almost like this resource buried deep in the soul. I think of most people that just have this sense of like, I think I'm made for something great, but what if also my children could do something great? And what if I could invest in the ones, what if I could multiply myself into children who could rise up and be deliverers and maybe they could be you know the leaders of a nation maybe they could be um i'm thinking like maybe they could be coaches of a basketball team and they could mentor that kid who doesn't have you know a father maybe that kid could become something and just the exponential effect of our lives when we think beyond ourselves and so yeah you never know when moses might be born and so i go let's be hopeful believe for deliverance yeah and do some difficult work but you know just as we end this here all good things in life the best things are some of the hardest things yeah but oh they're so rewarding and like i i had uh before lisa and i got married we had so many people being like it's so hard being married so sanctifying is such an adjustment and we were like oh and then we finally had some other friends who said Guys, getting married, being married is so fun. Yeah. It's really fun. And there's a sense of that. It's like, oh, yeah, we, as soon as we got married, Lisa and I are like, this is how we were designed. Like, this feels so normal, so natural. And in the same way with kids, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, we're in six months. My, my girls are in the other room screaming their heads off. It's hilarious. They're in the jolly jumper. Um, you know, there's the late evenings, but it's fun. It's beautiful. And so, as you, you know, as we think about that, it's, uh, be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> I love it. It is truly one of the, it is such a rewarding thing. And it is like, I mean, the other day I went for a hike with my, you know, my twin sons, Samuel Micah, almost 14. And I'm like, let's just go do this hike together, you know, and then we, we get to the top and we're just like, but we're able to just like laugh together. And I'm like, like my children are becoming like, not quite like I still have to be their parent, but like, they're becoming my friends. Like I want to hang out with them how incredible. And, and then we're running down the mountain together. And I'm just like, God, like, I'm so glad that I'm still young enough to enjoy them. And I'm, I don't know, like it, uh, it is truly a beautiful thing to build a family. So. Well, Bonnie, thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us. I feel like we keep going on this for a while, but uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you for being with us on the program today. Yeah. It's an honor to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. In Doubt is a ministry that exists to engage young people with biblical truth and provide answers for many of today's questions of life, faith, and culture. Through audio programs, articles, and blogs, InDoubt reaches out to encourage, strengthen, and disciple young adults. 
To check out all the resources of InDoubt, visit InDoubt.ca in Canada or InDoubt.com in the U.S. Or if you're in a position or share a passion for the ministry of young people, you can support the ongoing mission of engaging a new generation with the truth of the Bible. First, you can pray for this ministry. And second, and if you are able, please consider a financial gift by visiting InDoubt.ca in Canada or InDoubt.com in the U.S. Your gift of any amount is such a blessing and an answer to prayer. Thanks.